Before all this occurs, they will arrest you and persecute you. They will hand you over to synagogues and prisons. You will be brought before kings and governors because of my name. This will give you an opportunity to testify. So make up your minds not to prepare your defense in advance. For I will give you words and a wisdom that none of your opponents will be able to withstand or contradict. Please pray with me. Dear God in heaven, we ask you as we do week by week to be here with us in this place. And we trust that you are here. May my words be your words and all of our thoughts, your thoughts. We pray all of this in Jesus name. Amen. Please sit. In February of 1971, President Richard Nixon installed a secret tape recording system in the Oval Office of the White House, including microphones hidden in his own desk. This would later ahem, prove to be a mistake. After a White House aide casually mentioned the recording system before the Senate Watergate Committee during the investigation of the break-in at the Watergate Hotel, the House Judiciary Committee subpoenaed all the tapes. Initially, the White House released heavily edited versions. They didn't want anybody to know about the conversations that had happened in that office. But the Supreme Court eventually ordered Nixon to release the full transcripts. He would have to answer for all the things he'd said in the privacy of his own office. As it turned out, he didn't have good answers. There was irrefutable on-tape evidence of Nixon entering into a criminal conspiracy and the president resigned. It's a pretty simple story, right? He denied everything, but then a tape appeared. And when he was going to be forced to explain what was on the tape, he resigned in disgrace. The tape changed everything. Now, I've heard the final judgment of the world described in similar terms. You come before the judgment seat of God, the Almighty up there on his throne, separating the sheep from the goats. And all of a sudden you realize they've got the tapes. All of them, unedited, a full record of your life, including your innermost thoughts. And they're going to play the tape in front of God and everyone. And then you're going to have to defend yourself. Give a reason for why you did the things you did. This is The sort of language we use in terms of preparing for the end, isn't it? A sort of get ready to defend yourself language. Think of John the Baptist, who we're going to start reading about a lot over these next few weeks as we get into Advent. John comes on the scene preaching that the end is coming and you ought to get prepared to make a defense. Repent, says John, the kingdom of heaven is at hand. You brood of vipers, he goes on, who warned you to flee from the wrath to come. Bear fruit in keeping with repentance. This is John's message. The end is coming. It's not quite here yet. You've got some time to prepare your defense. Clean up your act. This is what doomsday preppers is all about. 
Uh, so I assume, having never seen it, the end is coming. Maybe it's just over the horizon. So we've got to get ready. We've got to prepare our defense. And this kind of thing makes all the sense in the world to us. Which is why what Jesus has to say in our reading from Luke 21 this morning sounds so strange. Before all this occurs, says Jesus, they will arrest you and persecute you. They will hand you over to synagogues and prisons. They will, you will be brought before kings and governors because of my name. This will give you an opportunity to testify. So make up your minds not to prepare your defense in advance. For I will give you words and a wisdom that none of your opponents will be able to withstand or contradict. Jesus is doing something different than John the Baptist was. He's talking about the end, yes, but Jesus isn't warning anyone. He's not saying, it's coming, but you've got time to make everything right. In fact, Jesus is saying something more like, it's too late. Listen to how he talks. He's speaking about the future, yes, but he's speaking about a future that's already decided. The days will come, he says, when not one stone of the temple will be left upon another. All will be thrown down. And then... He contradicts all of our conventional wisdom, everything we think we know about how to prepare for the end, when he tells us to make up our minds not to prepare our defense in advance. And he says, I will give you words and a wisdom that none of your opponents will be able to withstand or contradict. Jesus is saying, don't be a doomsday prepper. Don't be a Boy Scout. Don't be prepared. Now, to fully understand what Jesus is talking about here, it will help us to understand that as Jesus is speaking to his disciples, he's using as his source material the book of the prophet Micah. He's using the narrative arc of Micah as the sort of well from which he's drawing what he's saying. Because the prophet Micah was speaking to a people who was looking forward to the end coming. And Micah tells them, be careful what you wish for. You see, the people in Micah's time thought that God was going to come back and clear the world, wipe away all of their enemies. So the final judgment in their minds was unreservedly a good thing. They'd be validated and their enemies would be destroyed. But Micah reminds the people that God is not just coming away to wipe away Israel's enemies. He's coming to wipe away all unrighteousness, which includes them. And so he tells them, to mount a defense, to get ready. But in the end, Micah actually has a very different message to preach. Here's how this goes. Micah starts like John the Baptist. He says, God is coming to wreak havoc. Listen to what he says. Hear you peoples, all of you. Pay attention, O earth, and all that is in it. and Let the Lord God be a witness against you, the Lord from his holy temple. For behold... The Lord is coming out of his place and will come down and tread upon the high places of the earth. And the mountains will melt under him. 
The valleys will split open like wax before the fire, like waters poured down from a very steep place. These are the opening verses of the book of Micah. It's the very beginning. God is coming and all of this is coming down. Not unlike when Jesus says not one stone of this temple will be left upon another. And Micah says, get ready, get your defenses up, cry out to God. But Micah then goes a step further than John the Baptist because Micah says something chilling is going to happen. The people will fail in their self-defense. Listen to Micah chapter 3, verse 4. Then they will cry to the Lord, but he will not answer them. He will hide his face from them at that time because they have made their deeds evil. Micah says that the people's attempt at self-defense will fail. The people's efforts to defend themselves won't work. And so we see this terrible truth about warnings. Warnings aren't going to get the job done because warnings for us who hear them always turn into, what can I do? How can I fix this? How can I get ready? But listen, as Nixon knew, what's on the tapes is unanswerable. It's too bad. And Jesus says, it's too late. This is already happening. There is no deflection here. There is no getting out from under this accusation. The record of your life and mine, the tapes that are going to be played before the judgment seat, these would separate us from a holy God forever. But Micah's not done. He knows that self-defense isn't the answer. He tells the Israelites that their attempts to defend themselves will fail. And listen now to Micah chapter 5. But you, O Bethlehem Ephrathah, who are too little to be among the clans of Judah, from you shall come forth for me one who is to be ruler in Israel, whose coming forth is from of old, from ancient days. And he shall stand and shepherd his flock in the strength of the Lord, in the majesty of the name of the Lord his God, and they shall dwell secure. For now he shall be great to the ends of the earth, and he shall be their peace. Did you hear it? From you, Bethlehem, will come a shepherd, and he will be their peace. Micah is now pointing to Jesus explicitly. From Bethlehem will come a shepherd. And he will be their peace. So self-defense cannot be the answer when the accuser is the holiness of Almighty God. There can never be an adequate self-defense for our sin, our Sin is too profound. The tapes reveal too much. But self-defense doesn't need to be our answer. 
when we have a promised deliverer, a shepherd from Bethlehem who will be our peace. And so Jesus says, make up your minds not to prepare your defense in advance. I will give you words and a wisdom that none of your opponents will be able to withstand or contradict. Make up your minds not to defend yourself because you won't need to. I will be your defense. I will be your defender, your savior. I am the shepherd raised up for you. I am all you will need. If self-defense always leads to what can I do? Jesus is here forcing us to come into contact with what has already been done. Don't defend yourself, he says. Your defender is not you. It's me. The world says a million times a day in a million different ways, defend yourself. Explain what's on that tape. So we have a lot of practice. We are inveterate self-defenders. It is our immediate reflex. Excuses, explanations, reasons. These are our go-to bread and butter. We are experts. But there's no defense against the righteousness of God. He is too holy. St. Paul says that the law stops every mouth. He says that all are without excuse. At the final judgment, at the end of things, when the tapes of our lives are played before an almighty God, we will stand gaping and ashamed. And we will have nothing at all to say. Into our silence, though, steps Jesus Christ. I deliver you, he says, from your need to self-defend. Don't say anything. I will speak on your behalf. Jesus gives you a defense. It is him. Jesus himself. It is his life lived for you. It is his blood shed for you. He says, I will give you wisdom. Words and a wisdom that none of your opponents will be able to withstand or contradict. There is no withstanding or contradicting Jesus' defense of you because it comes from the same place as the accusation that you couldn't withstand or contradict. It comes from Almighty God Himself. This time, though, not etching laws on stone tablets, but breathing His last on the cross. And shouting, it is finished. Not an accusation, but good news. The same God to whom we think we must defend ourselves has provided in Christ for our defense. And this defense that has been provided for you is what Jesus is talking about when he finishes with that seemingly difficult phrase, by your endurance, you will gain your souls. And we think of endurance as like pushing hard, trying hard through pain, like 
being able to finish a marathon. We think of it as an ability that we have. But this is not what Jesus means. When Jesus talks about endurance, he's talking about firmness of faith. He's talking about steadfastly holding on to the promises of God. In other words, not hanging on to your own abilities, the things that you might do, but hanging on to what God has promised to you, the things that he has done for you. This word that we have translated endurance is the same one that Paul uses in Romans 5 when he says that suffering produces endurance and endurance produces character and character produces hope. Hope does not put us to shame because because God's love has been poured out. God's promise has been made and kept. He has promised you a defense. And by grace, through faith, your reliance on that defense, you will gain your soul. God's promise is reliable. He has promised you a defense, one that no one will be able to oppose or contradict. And he has provided that defense in the person and work of Jesus Christ. Now, when the tape of your life is played in that throne room of the judge, it is filled from the opening frames to the closing credits with the accomplishments of Jesus Christ. His life and goodness given to you. You have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ, the righteous. He is your defense and defender. And it is by his good work that you are saved. Amen.